Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Scripture reading this evening will be taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to his fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. I want to start tonight with you thinking about passages of Scripture which include the word remember. Now, we're going to be reading a number of passages tonight, so you need to have your Bible close by. What kinds of passages or which passages can you think of that use the word remember? Ecclesiastes 12, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Or remember Lot's wife. Or how about remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Son, remember thou in thy lifetime received, receivest good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. The one I want you to focus on as we get into this lesson about Mary is the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And Jesus taught us how to eat the Lord's Supper and then said, this do in remembrance of me. What kind of things do you know about Mary? When I just throw her name out, what is it that comes? Well, of course, you think about the fact that she was the mother of Jesus. How much do you know about her? How much does the scripture give us? Well, she was known in prophecy, Isaiah 7 and 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. That's fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. Today, we talked about Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, and we talked about the birth of our Lord, talked about Joseph. You read about his infancy there. You can read about going to Egypt to escape Herod and coming back to Israel and going to Nazareth. And you can remember, you can read about uh, chapter 12, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2, and Jesus is 12 years old. Or John chapter 2, which is one of my favorites, and the first earthly miracle is at Cana of Galilee. And Jesus says, Mary says to Jesus, we don't have any wine. We're out of grape juice. And Jesus responds, woman, what have I to do with you? I always like that because it seems to me that he was teasing. They had a teasing relationship. Some, some way, something in her, his face when he said that, and because it sounds like he's saying no, but something about how he said it made her think it was yes. And so she turns to the servants and says, you know, give him whatever he wants. And then it, the water pots and so forth. 
In Matthew chapter 12 and 46, you have Mary and the brothers interrupting Jesus during a preaching session. I'm going to, I want to go over to, to Luke chapter 1 with you, and I want to do some reading. What is it that you know about, about Mary? Here's Luke 1 and verse 26. She had qualities that God wanted. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Hail, now listen closely to these words. This is what God thinks of her. Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Somebody said that there were about 500,000 women in Palestine at this time, or people rather, and half of those were women. So maybe a quarter of a million people are women that live in Palestine, and these are big words for such a woman. 29, she was morally pure. And when she saw him, the angel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be seeing since I don't know a man? She had never been with a man in a way that would produce a pregnancy. And the angel answered and said to her, the the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who is called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Now verse 38. How she viewed herself, she viewed herself as a servant. Now, before I read this, I just want you to remember what we talked about this morning from Deuteronomy 22, verse 23. I mean, do you think about what this means? It means that Joseph would have the prerogative of putting her before the court. And, and uh, now I, I think that she would assume that Joseph won't do that. She's predicting that he won't do that because she knows that he loves her very much. But also, you know, think about the whispering campaign. Think about what's going to happen with her reputation if she has, she's, she's going to have a baby and she has no real husband. She only has an engaged husband, a, a, an espoused husband. Think about all that's in front of her. Does she think about this at this moment? Is she thinking about what's about to happen? What about her family's name? If it's found out by people around, and they will find out that she's going to have a baby and has no husband. Whatever. Here's verse 38. Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. When you get to verse 39, and the angel departed from her, and Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Zacharias is a priest. It seems to me that Zacharias could, could blow the whistle on this. And, and so has Mary thought about that? When she's presented with this prospect, she says, 
I will be the handmaiden of the Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. But she's putting her head into the lion's mouth. I mean, this is this has potential risk to it uh, in more than one way. And so, what kind of woman is she? She's a woman who wants to do God's will no matter what. Now, read in verse 46 now. She knew the Bible. Now, I'm going I'm to just quickly read these verses again, but I'm going to do it because I want you to be impressed with the fact that Old Testament terminology is woven through what she says. This, this uh, Song of Mary, as it's called, is full of Old Testament scripture. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his, ha- his maidservant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and rich he has sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. She knew the word of God. All right. What is it, number two, that we never read about her? That's how much we know, really, essentially, about Mary. And it's a wonderful thing. But what do we not know about her? I mean, I could say that better. What is it that we never read about her? Number one, and I I just, I would have you know that Catholicism has hijacked our sweet Mary. That's what they've done. And you have these five things. Here we go. That she should be venerated. Venerated means that you would, that the, that the Roman Catholic Church would exalt someone deceased to state, to, to, to sainthood, that she should be considered in a special way one of the holy ones. Well, I believe that Mary was holy, but this veneration process has nothing in the scripture. The Bible doesn't know anything about this. And what's happened again is that Mary, Mary's name has been hijacked by these things too. That she should be a co-mediator or mediatrix, a co-redeemer with Christ. Well, the very idea is, I mean, it, it just makes you tremble to think that you would put any human being. It doesn't, it doesn't help Mary. Mary doesn't need any help. Her name is good. Her reputation is wonderful. And, and she's been placed in a, a great place of honor. Of course, that's true. But you don't need to try to gild the lily. You don't need to try to improve on that. And the very idea that you would say that she's a co-redeemer with Jesus Christ is just uh, wrong. In First Timothy 2.5, there's one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. Three, the immaculate conception You're not going to read about that in Scripture. Now, I think people get this confused with the virgin birth, but immaculate conception is a Catholic term, and it's not about the virgin birth of Christ. Immaculate conception has to do with the conception of Mary and with this understanding, the false idea, the false doctrine, but that people are born having inherited the sin of Adam, the guilt of that sin, that we come into this world as guilty sinners because we inherited the sin of Adam. But that in Mary's case, an exception was made, and in the conception of Mary, that was removed. So that she was not born in sin like the rest of us. She did not inherit Adam's sin. 
And that is immaculate conception. You'll never read about that in the Bible because that was hatched in the fertile imagination of men. Or the perpetual virginity of, of Mary. Now, what you read instead, well, here's Matthew chapter 12. Can you pull that up? There we go. And you have a description of, of Jesus' mother and his brothers. And uh, then chapter 13, here's another example, and actually named here, his brothers James and Joseph, Simon and Judas. And so, of course, the, the, the dodge for this, or the explanation for this, is that, that these were far kinsmen. They weren't actually brothers and sisters of Jesus. That's, but the problem with that is, that, I mean, I, I read all the translations that I've got, and I don't know any, except a Catholic Bible, I suppose, that would say something like this. And so here's the fifth one. Number next. That Mary's body was taken to heaven a few days after her death. You won't read about that in the Bible. I just think it's, it's, um, it's very disappointing to think that Mary isn't somehow good enough on her own, but what these kinds of creative ideas have to be attached to her. Well, that's just wrong. The fact is that that Mary is wonderful not because she's heaven's deity, not because she's an angel, some sort of angelic creation come. To, it's not because of that. It's because she was just a faithful, devout woman of God. She was, she was pure and she was righteous. She wasn't perfect. And she, she knew what sin was, just like you and I do. But what she was was admirable. And so God chose her to be the one who would bear the Christ. Now, shift gears with me. Here's what I want to do next. The first Lord's Supper after the Ascension. And how much do you know about it? Well, you know, we don't know a lot about it. We know that it existed. It happened. So in Leviticus 23, you have the countdown from Passover to Pentecost, and it's going to be 50 days. It's, it's, it's going to be 49, seven sevens, seven weeks, seven Sabbaths, and then the day after that, which was Sunday. And that's when Pentecost would be, and that's, that's going to be on the Lord's Day. That will be the day on which the church was established, the first Pentecost after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The question I want you to think about is this. Now, you have the cross. You have the ascension of Jesus in Acts chapter 1. So he goes back to the Ancient of Days. He goes back to the Father. And then the disciples in Acts 1 go to this upper room, and, and I want you to look around the room at who's there. Okay, now, so the ascension back to the Father, and then in 10 days we're going to have the Passover, I mean the uh, Pentecost. So we're in Acts 1, and we're about to come into Acts 2, 10 days later is when the church would have its establishment. So what do the disciples do? After the Jesus ascends back to the Father in Acts 1. Now, now look at this verse in Acts 1. They return to Jerusalem. I just want you to see who's there. Look at who's there. Because you're going to get excited about this. Which is near Jerusalem, Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the Zealot, Judas, son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus. Wait a minute, there she is. I wondered about that. So where did she go? Where was she? And the answer is, she's, she's right there with these disciples. She 
is there. I'm just so glad that Luke saw fit to include this by inspiration. But here she is. Now that's Acts 1. So we're just a few days from when the church will be established. Now when you get then to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, the Bible says they continued. Who? These disciples. The disciples continued steadfastly. Now you have new disciples because 3,000 have been baptized. But now all of these disciples... These new Christians continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship, and breaking of bread. There's the Lord's Supper and in prayers. Is Mary there? I don't know any reason to think otherwise. I don't have her name there. But I know that she's, she's hanging with those other disciples. She's one of the disciples. And then Acts 20 and verse 7, we understand that that the Christians, these disciples, ate the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. So what I'm saying is simply this. I just want to put this in your mind. There are things that I know about Mary. There are wonderful things, glorious things that I know about this girl. And I just want you to think about the fact that there she is. And she was, there was a time when she was baptized. I want you to think about that. Then there was a time when, when she, with these other disciples, ate the Lord's Supper. Now, what was it like the first time she ate the Lord's Supper? Walk with me. Think with me. What did she think about? So 1 Corinthians 11 says, I want, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And I would just propose to you for your thoughts tonight. Just, just consider that, that Mary had a perspective of Jesus that nobody else had. What do you suppose crossed her mind when she sat with those others and ate the Lord's Supper? Perhaps she thought about when she was first told by the angel that she was pregnant. What was her reaction? Confusion. How can this be? I don't understand. This is not possible. How is this possible? And that, that the baby that was at that point about to be in her womb would be the savior of the world. That his, his kingdom would never have an end. And the Bible says that Mary kept all these sayings and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2 and verse 19. And maybe eating the Lord's Supper, she pondered prophecy. I do this sometimes, don't you? When you're eating the Lord's Supper, don't you sometimes ponder the, the, the sayings of prophecy about the Messiah? And when she, when she thought about Simeon, In Luke 2 and verse 22, and Simeon, the prophet, said, he's going to be the the cause of the rising and falling of many. That means that how people relate to the Messiah will determine whether or not they're going to be saved or damned. And the sword would pierce through her own soul, Luke 2.35, just like the spear would pierce the Lord. There's no doubt in my mind that she thought about Jesus as a boy. Is this inevitable when she eats the Lord's Supper and she does this in remembrance of him that she thinks about his face when he was in her arms and her little, his little hand and maybe a little, the little tears that would go down his face when he would cry? And then the prophecies. So Psalm 40 and verse 6, a body you did prepare for me. That's repeated by the Hebrews writer in Hebrews 10 and verse 5. And it, it's in the context of sacrifice and the cross, and yet, of course, it's true. 
that that body that God prepared for the Messiah started in the womb of Mary. Did she think about this prophecy? And to think about it was her. And about the fact that she carried the Messiah. Or what about Exodus chapter 12 and the Passover and the blood? And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's what God said. I'll pass over you. And then you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Of course, I know Mary didn't have that, but Jesus is our Passover. Did she, did she think about the lamb in Exodus chapter 12 and, and what role it played in the redemption of those people, the freedom of those people coming out of Egypt? Or what about Psalm 22 and verse 16? This was a whole millennium. This was a thousand years before Jesus came to earth. But David the prophet looked forward into the future prophetically and said, they pierced my hands and my feet. When she ate the Lord's Supper, did she think about that? That Psalm 22. And then, of course, you have this last one. She thought about watching him die. Did she think about the prophecy in Isaiah 53? He was bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace is upon him. Did she look at that in, the, in her memory of, of the cross? And, of course, it was, it was his mother that he was thinking about hanging there, and he... He gave her care to John. The brothers of Jesus weren't there to take care of her. It's a very profound moment that he would give the care to somebody that's not kin, but apparently that's what was available. And so he gave her care to John. Did she think about that? Did she, could she hear his voice in her mind as she ate the Lord's Supper? I would assume so. And did she say in her heart, as she ate the bread and drank the cup, and he did that for me? I would assume so. There's a, there's a joy in studying Mary. But it's not about what the religions of the world, especially Catholicism, have tried to do to her. <clears throat> it's not that. It's not in the fact that she was an angel come from heaven. It was that she was a human being. Just a, just a human being who was faithful to her God and who did a remarkable thing in the whole scheme of redemption. She bore the Christ child. She held him when he was little. She and Joseph protected him as he grew. And what it meant was that that she had to watch him die, and it meant that she would live the rest of her life with the Christians, eating the Lord's Supper every first day of the week, beside people who couldn't really understand her perspective. But I would say she had a wonderful grasp of it, wouldn't you? I'm so glad you came tonight. I, I hope this is going to be a wonderful week for you. I know you've got lots of things planned. Got family coming in or already here, and I hope it's going to be a great week. And I want you to remember the people who do not have family, and there are some of those here. And we love you and just know that this is your family, that truth is thicker than blood, and we are part of the family of God in Christ Jesus.
Is there somebody here tonight who wants to obey the gospel? We'll be happy to help you do that and immerse you into Christ to have your sins washed away. If you need the prayers of the Christians, we'll be so glad to pray with you tonight. We're going to sing this song of encouragement. If you'd like to respond, come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.